This season, turn it up to 10. Sort of like a bad habit, we gon' do it again. Ready or not, we're gonna tie up some ends. Go tell a 36, try to grab all the friends. We're back like we never left. On track like a treble clef. Skip a beat on the seventh rest. Bring feast, we don't pass them over. We got the first fruits, no way to show us. Can't live on that bread alone. Every word of God's mouth will fuel me on. That's scripture, that's Christ alone. That's grace alone, that's faith alone. All glory to God, cause that's his alone. Since the land's been slain, we can each belong. The Lord is my strength, my peace, and my song. Get our it all down at the feet of his throne. This yoke is easy, this burns light. Even with a loud mouth trying to eat at the mic. Even if we down south, the humidity spike. Fails torn in two, so we gon' be alright. It's all grace till the half goes off. Heretics better run till the top blows off. Got them all stood still like a job full of Botox. Time to bring them down like a jaw on a blow pop. Don't stop, they're in need of it though. Through grace, by faith, they could easily grow. New wave, new age, new way to see bro. Now one truth, life, one way to his throne. It's the year of the feast, we gon' grow some Time to put some meat on the bones Gotta put the milk down, son, it's time to leave home I'm just saying there's a time and a season You gotta be a Berean If you just hear and believe it You could be walking with demons It could be rendering Caesar All the things that go to God That's a little like treason Wait, welcome back, my friends Did you ever really think we could pass the 10? Our stock's up, we about to trend Cause the whole 36 wanna rap again Wait, sounds too good to be true Like we're in candy land Ain't no ladders, just shoot We hold true if it's loaded in the cannon Best believe it's understanding If it's not, it ain't proof like sacred name of the two house frame Ears start to tickle then you fill it in the blanks You better not, you be better off Not trying to hassle hop, you can take it to the bank This night ready, he's about to go off Put the ring on your finger from the cracker jack box It's hide and seek, let's see if you can find out All the little messages you hit before the timeout Ever seen a scholar with a blue belt? I have, he's about to make your food melt The loud one and he strikes again But don't let him close range, he gon' bite your friends So relax, gotta still in control He knows every care, every village you hold He knows every hair, every need for your soul Nothing new round here, this story's been told I bet you feel weak and your life is in tatters With bruised feet, your body is battered You can't reach, trying to climb up that ladder Sit back and hold fast to Messiah Matters Wednesday, January 31st, 2024. This is Messiah Matters number 460. Rob's swapping hats, but I got my thinking hat on. My name is Caleb Haig. And 
Uh, Rob's also exiting the chat room. I, I had to say hello, but I'm off. I won't be distracted. There we go. I like I'm it. Ravana. All right. And I've got a little bit of in the throat today. So yes, we had a good question. We have we've had a couple of good interactions already with the uh, with the chat room. Let's take a look real quick. So Zumbi asks this. I'm learning Hebrew through Duolingo. <clears throat> so am I. But I am looking for some free resources to learn biblical Hebrew. Any suggestions? Yes, I have several. Number one, there's a great app called Drops. Go get Drops. I actually, I'm thinking about paying for it. Uh, it's, I think it's even better than Duolingo. So get Drops. Um, they give you five minutes free each day, and it's worth it just to have the five minutes free each day. And then also, I would suggest uh, there is a YouTube channel uh, called Olive with Beth. And uh, she does some really good work on uh, introduction to Hebrew. And it's a lot of like, uh, hear it and then see it kind of a thing. She'll have like, she, you know, so she'll say like, she'll bring in a little toy horse and she'll be like, Seuss. And then she'll bring in like something else. And then she'll like, have you choose which one is, it's, it's good. Anyway, Olive with Beth and uh, drops. Those are my two recommendations. I mean, at some point, you just got to get yourself, if you're trying to do modern Hebrew, that's great. Uh, download, um, you can also download like, uh, what's the free radio app? Anyway, you can get radio from Israel. I listen to a lot of uh, Israeli radio in Hebrew. I catch now about 10 to 15% of what they're saying, but it's starting to it's starting to, you know, I'm starting to hear it a lot. Um, you can uh, download, uh, there's a Tanakh app where you can listen to the Bible in Hebrew from a native speaker. That's a great one too. Um, there's a lot of different ways that you can do it. But ultimately, if you want to read the, read the Hebrew Bible, ultimately what you're going to have to do is get yourself a Hebrew grammar. I don't, I don't have mine on, uh, around here. I have one that I will recommend, uh, but uh, I don't have it with me. So maybe next week or the week after. We might not have a show next week. We're still debating. Okay. Let's go. Let's do this. Do we have anything else in here? I don't think so. Okay. Well, let's get to the important stuff here. Uh, see Hag at TorahResource.com. Hey, hey, not to dismiss the question about Hebrew. That's important. Not to dismiss the... Yes, it is. Yes, exactly. See Hag at TorahResource.com. C-H-E-G-G at TorahResource.com. Send in your emails there. We'd love to hear from you and uh, tell us what you want us to talk about. We have some good ones that came in through the email today. You can also... Send us a voicemail, 253-465-3205. It's 253-465-3205. You won't talk to us. You just talk to an answer machine. Tell us how much you love us, hate us, disagree with us, agree with us. doesn't matter what you say. We listen to them all, and you won't talk to us, so you can say whatever you want. Also, go to messiahmatters.com. Find all sorts of merchandise there. By the way, Mike, if you are in the chat room, we need to make a season, what are we in? Season 11. We need a season 11 uh, hoodie and or shirt, maybe something that says this one goes to 11. I don't know. It's just a thought. And then of course, this show is produced by TorahResource.com. Go to Torah Resource for all sorts of wonderful things. You know, now you might be thinking to yourself, self, you know, <laughs> self, <laughs> yes, <laughs> you might, you might be thinking self, do I really want to pay $100 for a library membership? No, I don't. I don't have 100 bucks. I'm not going to pay $100 for a library membership at TorahResource.com. Okay, fair. We understand. Guess what? There are things in the works right now. I don't know how long it's going to take, but there are things in the works for, um, for a monthly subscription 
monthly subscription. Now, I'm not going to say much more than that, but if you are one of those people who think $100 is out of your budget for the year, okay, 15 bucks a month, 10 bucks, I don't know what it's going to be yet, but we will figure it, figure it out. You'll have access to a good amount of the library, and uh, we're, we're working on it right now, so never fear. But if, uh, if you want access to the greatest Messianic library, digital library online, then uh, go sign up for a library membership today at tourresource.com. Finally, last but not least, this uh, YouTube channel. You need to subscribe to it. And if, you do, if you're already subscribed, then go ahead and like this video. Okay, I'm done with all that. Now let's jump My in. My greatest also in terms of the <clears throat> learning library, online learning library. Um, also, we should emphasize sound theology. Right. That's like so, a, a big part of that. Mike's asking spring producer art. Well, we're going to need that at some point too. But what I'm talking about is art for a, for season 11, like a something because I got to update. Yeah. He's thing. got a season 10 hoodie on right now. So we need like a season 11, like, you know, Nigel. I love saying, the, this I'm one loving the baby 11. blue, except oh, I love it. my wife will be like, you dribbled coffee on your thing. <laughs> So I have, to, I have to wash it. I have to get the little, ch -ch -ch, I like spray the. Maybe we should get a coffee colored hoodie and then, for Rob. She noticed that the tip of one of the strings was coffee stained. Yeah. It did like fall in the cup of coffee. You're stirring your coffee with it. So again, I had to go. So, but I love loving the color. I don't know if I'm, uh, if I have the skills to maintain the color, but. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. All right. Let's jump in. Let's let's go. We jump got in. plenty to jump talk in. about today. Curtis says this. I'm curious about your opinion of grills at the local restaurant. We've talked about this years and years ago. If I ordered if I order grilled vegetables, pancakes or eggs right after the cook just finished uh, cooking bacon, sausage or shrimp, is the grill considered unclean according to Leviticus 11.32? Would that also render my grill veg grilled vegetables unclean? Let's stop for just a second. He's going he's gonna to cite Leviticus 11.32. <clears throat> but before we do that, I'm going to blow your mind, Curtis, even a little bit more. What about the deep fryer? And this is where it really gets annoying. What about the deep fryer where they are uh, cooking shrimps and, uh, you know, like calamari and all that kind of stuff, and then your French fries go into that same grease? Now, I ask people at, uh, at like, uh, uh, seafood restaurants, I'll ask them, do you have a dedicated uh, uh, deep fryer for French fries? Some of them do. And the reason I ask that is because I tell, now people have emailed in and said, it's dishonest to say this, but I don't think it's dishonest. I just say I have a shellfish allergy and so I can't eat shellfish. And they'll ask me a lot of the time, how severe is your shellfish allergy? And they'll ask that because what they're asking is, can we use the same knives and the same cutting board or can we put the fries in the same grease? That kind of thing. That's what they're asking. And so I'll ask, do you have a dedicated uh, uh, deep fryer for, for uh, you know, for fries or for shellfish or something like that? Some of them do. Some of them do not. Here's another one that's going to blow your mind. At many Mexican restaurants, they reheat their, their uh, chips that, you know, they bring out the chips in the basket and set them down with the salsa, right? And everybody loves a good chip. However, at a lot of the Mexican restaurants, they, you know, they're not going to tell people this. Why would they? They reheat them in pork grease. <sighs> anyway, yeah, gross. Uh, so anyway, be aware, be aware. Let's go Just back. Just ask, ask questions. Ask the questions. And if, uh, if let, something's like, if you got ah, then don't do it. Yeah. 
uh, let's go on with Curtis. So he's asking whether or not Leviticus 11.32 applies to this uh, conversation. He quotes it for us, anything on which any of them falls, that is unclean animals, when they are dead shall be unclean, whether it is in any item of wo uh, wood or clothing or skin or sack, whatever item it is. Okay, so let's just stop there. This is not actually going to be relevant uh, in terms of this conversation. What we're talking about here is we're talking about food that is not uh, edible, okay? So the, the unclean thing has to do with ritually pure and unclean. So everything is in a state of ritual impurity right now. So this actually doesn't apply. Uh, the entire world is in a state of ritual impurity because there's no temple. It's been like that for 2,000 years. Every, you know, corpse defilement, there's been no ashes of the red heifer. Everything is ritually impure, okay? However, the question is, is, is there cross-contamination cross when it comes to food? The answer is absolutely there is. And this is where you as a, um, as a Torah observant person <clears throat> need to uh, be vigilant and decide what is going to be your, you know, your standard. And honestly, this is one of those things where I don't think that you're going to be able to uh, regulate other families. This is a family issue. Your synagogue can't tell you or your congregation, your church, whatever, can't say to you, hey, you can't go to Denny's because they use the same grill for this and this. That, I think that's outside of the realm. That's something that you personally have to decide for you and your family. And the level of vigilance, hang on, you're, I'm not hearing Rob. Oh, there we go. Yeah, I muted myself. Uh, they... I think a local community could say, yeah, I, I spoke with the guys at Denny's or whatever, the manager, and this is what I learned. Right. You know, I mean, that's, that's fair. Oh, of course. Or, you know, I went, Hey, did you know that the chips at this restaurant are, are, you know, reheated in pork grease? If something like that, it's obvious, but if you say, okay, well, you can't eat hash browns here because, you know, they use the same grill for bacon. Well, I mean, okay, if that's your level of, of uh, you know, what you're going to do, the, the, the question is, is are they cleaning the grill? Are they using the, are you going to ask at every restaurant? Maybe some people are, you know, maybe some people are. I ask about French fries and, and uh, the deep fryer. Some people might think that's overboard. <clears throat> Some people might think that, you know, the level of heat that, uh, that exists is not going to contaminate your fries with, uh, with, you know, it's such extreme heat. It's killing anything and everything, uh, that would, that would touch the fries. Okay. I mean that that's up to you. Um, but I also would say, you know, if I see somebody, uh, you know, cooking and Hey, you can say I have a pork allergy. It needs to be cooked on something that's not that, you know, hasn't been used for bacon or that's been washed. Restaurants will accommodate you. And the thing is, is that in our, I mean, I I'm coming from a very liberal place. You know, people are way more concerned about, about vegetarianism and veganism up here and being crunchy than they are about my biblical dietary needs. However, if I say, look, I'm a vegetarian, I, I don't eat meat or whatever, and, you know, I can't have this in the same pan, people would be like, oh, that's so bold of you being so, being so, you know, for the animals. So I think that there's ways around it. Rob, is there anything else you want to say about this? No, I've that's talked it. a lot. I mean, you can always, I, I think vegetarian is if, if you're, if you're, if you find yourself was like, man, I, I need some food. I need to eat. Uh, like, I mean, it's a, it's a rare, like, I don't know how often people have that experience. So I need to go to a restaurant, you know, that for us is rare already. So, but um, I think what you just pointed out at the end there is, is 
if you go to a vegetarian place or or you look at vegetarian options or something, um, I think that's a good. Can I tell you a side story? Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I go to this teriyaki restaurant, right? And we're, you know, we're very vigilant in, on anything that has to do with Asian food, just in general, because a lot of the time they'll use oyster sauce. Oh, and or the different sauces. And, yeah, the yeah. different sauces. Or they'll use a fish sauce. And oftentimes the fish sauce has catfish in it, which of course is not kosher. And so I go to this, uh, you know, I, I get sent by the wife to, uh, to, this, uh, to this teriyaki restaurant. We'd never been there before. I walk in, I say, do you have, do you use oyster sauce in your teriyaki, in your chicken teriyaki? They say, yeah, we do. I said, okay. Um, what about your, your broccoli beef? Is there oyster sauce in that? Yes. I said, okay. Can you tell me the things do not. <laughs> that don't have oyster sauce? And he kind of looks at the menu. He brings the chef out, right? The guy from the back and the guy's you know, speaking in a different language to this guy, this guy's translating. And he's like, well, we think that, you know, this one would be okay. I said, okay, never mind, never mind. I'll just order from the vegetarian, the vegetarian uh, side. They have a whole vegetarian menu, right? So I start going down, okay, I'll take the vegetarian tofu or, you know, the, the teriyaki tofu. I'll have the, you know, blah, blah, blah. He goes, those all have oyster sauce in them. I said, let me get this straight. Um, You're selling something as vegetarian on your menu. There's a V next to it. You've put the V next to it for vegetarian. You're selling that and it has oyster sauce in it? He goes, yeah. I said, you're going to get sued. You are going to get sued. You're in Tacoma. I mean, the, the, oh the liberals are going to sue the living daylights out of you. And I walked he- past the... I walked past that rush. I went, I went down to the Indian, the all vegetarian Indian place that was two doors down. I left, but the, about two weeks later, I walked past. They'd totally redone all of the, all of their menus. No, no vegetarian options anymore. Anyway, yeah, you got to ask the questions. <laughs> okay. I still got the cough, man. It's been since October. See, Caleb, you're improving. You're making the world a better place. What can I say? You, you I, I do what I saved can. them from lawsuit. You Boom. saved frustrated vegetarians future potential frustrated vegetarians. That's right. Okay. Uh, you wanted to go to, oh yeah, the, the, the Holy Spirit one. Eric writes in, he says this, might not be what y'all usually discuss, but I'm curious if a believer in Yeshua who has the Ruach HaKodesh, that's the Holy Spirit for those who don't know, as a result, also have demonic oppression or possession. Can someone who has the Holy Spirit also have a demon? How could the two coexist in a believer's body that is a temple of the Holy Spirit? 1 Corinthians 6.19. Paul seems convinced, not in Romans 8.31 through 39, but I haven't seen any scripture that directly addresses this. Okay, I'll give you my uh, belief, and then I'm going to shoot it to Rob. This is going to be really quick. I think a believer can have demon oppression because we are in a war against uh, against the forces of evil and darkness. So I think that there can be spiritual oppression. I do not think that what we see as demon possession, a word that's not in the Bible, by the way, but what, which I think is clearly there, right? Demon possession or, you know, being demonized or whatever it may be. I think that that cannot happen to a person who is, uh, who is walking with the whole, uh, indwelled by the Holy Spirit. That's my personal opinion. Go. 
Yeah, I like that's a good differentiation. Oppression is, but even there, that's why I thought this was such a great question. So was it Eric you said? Thank mm-hmm. you, Eric. Um, because like Caleb said, you know, we're, we're, we're in a battle, right? We're to be in the world, but not of this world. Um, and I think in first John four, he says, don't believe every spirit, but discern the spirits. So that means there is a, I, I believe that we learn as we walk with the Lord we grow in discernment, right? And you discern. So I th- I think that there are genuine believers who have bad habits that that are of, you know, uh, maybe it's impure thoughts, impure behaviors, things like that, which are associated with a spirit of impurity, and that they they're, they're going to suffer the consequences of those things. And Yeshua will allow them to temporarily, you know, stumble around like that. Well, well, he, you know, that's how we learn sometimes, you know, um, but that doesn't mean, so that doesn't mean that we don't have the Holy spirit because the, the very fact of being connected, being connected to Christ and being uh, an object of his love means that we will be corrected. You know, when I read that question, Caleb sent, sent that one to me, and I thought, wow, that's a really good question. I was reminded of, uh, remember, is it Mary Magdalene? It says that Yeshua had cast out seven seven spirits or seven demons, something like that. And I, I've always wondered, do you suppose those were all at once? Or do you suppose that these were like, there was like, like healing. In other words, like she had, uh, you know, some sort of, um, and sometimes, you know, demon sometimes mean is, is uh, paralleled with unclean spirit. And some of these words are, I think there's a lot of flexibility in what they mean at different times. But, you know, the question, question I have is, do you suppose Yeshua healed her of the seven all at once or, or was it like gradual? Like is as she like, because that's serious transformation of a person. I mean, just think of one person being healed once. That's a complete transformation of a human being, right? To be back in their right mind, you know? And so my opinion, and again, it's speculation. So I, I don't know if it's true or not, but I lean towards that Yeshua did not, that, that it was over time, it was a it was a healing and educational experience, I think, for for Mary. Um, and here, here was another thought too, because I was thinking about you know in Matthew five where it says you know uh, don't think I came to abolish the law and the prophets, etc. Right. And then he says uh, <clears throat> something to the effect that whoever whoever nullifies these commandments or, uh, or and tells other teaches other people the same will be called least. In the kingdom of heaven, and that, but whoever does them and teaches them these commandments will be called greatest. And so, one question there is like, okay, the people who are least in the kingdom are they still in the kingdom? Right. So, if someone is going around teaching, you know, is it possible that someone who belongs to Yeshua genuinely, like they are saved, but they're going around 
on the far extreme, they're going around and telling people, oh, you know, you can break all the, these commandments. You can break them. Well, um, they can still be in the kingdom. So, but breaking of those commandments pertain to strange things, right? I mean, right. impurity, like that's a, that's a big one. It's just, it's just impurity. Um, and so uh, it's, it's a great question. And I know I'm kind of probably just babbling around, but, uh, but I, I basically come down the same way, Caleb, you answered it. I, you know, you, you can't be possessed and, by some demon or spirit um, if you belong to Messiah, if you, you know. Now, here's another question. What about people who, like like Mary Magdalene or these? Okay, my theology is that she she was an object of Christ's love from before the foundation of the world. Right. Agreed. So that means whatever... that those were all temporary and that the Lord knew that that would be the case. It's not like Yeshua was surprised that he had to bring, you right, know, but do I, these I deliverances. Think, I think that there is, I mean, we talk about time and, and how time actually matters. There is a moment in time when, when, and this is the way that we see it, right? We see it as we accept Christ. Now, however you want to see that theologically, whether or not Christ is the one who allows us to have the softened heart to then accept him. Fair. I'm just saying that there's a point in time, right, where there is the acceptance of God's love. From our personal biography, from my personal story, yeah. And it is at that point that that all of a sudden we have the imprint, the mark of of God on us, right? We bear the name of God. And uh, so the, the, the point here is that before that happens... We're treated as if we, you know, exactly as we are, which is non-covenant members in that time. Now, that doesn't mean that God doesn't see us as covenant members in the long run, but there is a journey to that that time. And so I, I agree with you. Um, and but, I think, and these these consequences of, are, these are all consequences of sin in the world, right? These are all consequences of sin. And he took that upon himself for his elect. So somehow Yeshua took on those, anything that is any, any of the death related to the sin of the elect, right? He bore, and that's mind blowing and, and like awesome. I mean, and so, and I don't claim to fully even grasp a a smidgen of, of his strength and love and power, but I believe it. I, I don't need to understand it. You know, <laughs> um, but right. it's a great question. It's such a great question. And but back to the first John, when he says, look, you need to be he says, discern spirits. Don't believe every spirit. So that means there is a maturity that we grow into to recognize things in ourselves, things in other people, maybe. And and we're also, you know, take the plank out of your own eye before you help the guy with the speck in his kind of thing. So we learn to be suspicious of our own motives. And I think that we too get healed of, now you might not call it a a demon, but false belief or um, bad habits, bad behaviors that I picked up as a child, you know, um, reactionary kind of uh, behavior, like getting angry easy, you know, or needing to defend myself, you know, stuff, those kind of things. We might not call those demons, but those are all those are all things that are um, not from 
the Lord. You know, the healing is from the Lord. And and one last point that I'd like to make is just that we're commanded as believers to do everything under Yeshua. But if you were to like track me 24 seven and, and look at every thought, you'd say, okay, Rob. Yeah. What's going inv- on, man? Inventory time, <clears throat> yeah. right? How many of these right. times were you like, you know, doing this unto, unto Yeshua and how many times were you just like prideful or, uh, you know, worried about stressed out about something or reactive in a, in a, in an ungodly way. Um, so does that mean I didn't belong to Messiah at those times when I, when I was reacting out of a immature, you know, childish attitude or something like, that's why I think Paul says, you know, put away the childish things, you know, we, we got to learn what those are as we mature into the image of, of Christ. And um, I think unclean spirits or things like that. Um, not the, not the possession, but some sort of like influence, not having the discernment of spirits. He bears with us through those things while we learn that that's my view on it. I'm going to, I'm going to answer a question that's been, uh, so Ski Bro, the Hebrew in the chat room says, uh, you know, he's asking about the, the book on it, my book. Actually, he said, what's Rob's, uh, what's the title of Rob's book on Acts? I said, Rob doesn't have a book on Acts. I do. Smiley, smiley face. Um, he says, okay, what's your, what's the title of your book on Acts? So my, the title of my book is uh, Acts. Subtitle is Igniting the Abrahamic Promise. And it's spelled A-X-E. The Acts and the Apostles. The Acts. No, it's, uh, I I don't remember how many pages it is, but I think it's something like 536 pages. It's not huge for a book, for a commentary on Acts. That's, I mean, it sounds like a lot of pages, but actually when you're talking about a, um, when you're talking about a, a, a commentary on the book of Acts, I give you an example. Uh, each well, one 28 of, chapters already. Tw- I mean, yeah. And, and not only that, but, uh, if you look at like Keener's uh, commentary on Acts, Keener has, uh, four volumes. Each volume is over a thousand pages. So, I mean, it's, it's, mine is very, if you, if you order Keener's volume, they actually <clears throat> bring it in a, in a semi truck and they have to offload it with a pallet jack. Yeah, exactly. Drop it off. Yeah. And then you uh, he says 400, 455 it. pages. I stand corrected. So here's the thing. Here's the thing about my commentary. It's much more for the, uh, for the common person than it is for a, uh, for it's called a, a commentary. A yeah, but it's, but it's not for, it's not for, okay. <laughs> anyway, was, that was bad. That, that was bad. Anyway. So, so to answer problem. your question, that a, so he asks about, does it cover Acts ten thirteen? There are there are certain places where I like kind of brush over um, certain verses. However, the two largest sections of the book are Acts ten and Acts fifteen, and I think that's for obvious reasons. I spent a significant amount of time on Acts ten and the vision, um, and yes, I I believe. I mean, I, off the top of my head, I don't have the the text memorized. However, um, I do believe that Acts. All of Acts 10 is, is covered uh, extensively, as is Acts 15. So, um, yeah, you're going to, if you're wondering about Acts 10 and the and Peter's vision, uh, yes, I, I cover it uh, at length. Uh, so, anyway, um, if you, I'll tell you what, I don't normally do this, but if you're looking for something specific like a, a verse on 1013, email me, chagatorresource.com. I'll open up the PDF of it and I will send you a page or two uh, that touches on this specific verse. Now, I'm going to only offer that to Ski Bro the Hebrew because he says I have too many books. Um, and because but, he has such a cool name. 
Yes, but uh, the reason I say I'm only going to offer that to him is because it, what tends to happen is people start sending in, well, what about this verse, this verse, this verse? It actually does take quite a bit of time to try to find in my own work the section that a person's looking for and then export it and, and then send it to them. I mean, it might not sound like it, but it does, especially if you're having, you know, if you have 20 people sending those things, it, it, it takes time. So, Ski Bro the Hebro. Send me an email. Show some I'll love s- by Caleb's uh, book. Now you can you can send me an email. I'll send you the I'll send you the portion Everybody on Acts ca- 1013. Everybody else needs to read it needs to buy the book. Okay. <laughs> okay. Let's move on. Let's do it. I want to go to our main here's, topic. Here's the uh the the uh spoiler alert. The Torah is not done away. Yeah, exactly. It, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it applies for Jews and Gent. It applies for all God's people. God hasn't changed, his holiness hasn't changed. Okay, let's go. Now, uh, I don't think this person wants to me to use any names. They actually haven't given us a name. So we will just say Anonymous. An- anonymous writes and it says, I was just thinking on something, occur- and something occurred to me. If the Jews were chosen to carry the oracles of Adonai, but they don't carry the New Testament. So we've talked a lot about this just to frame where this person is coming from. Um, the, uh, it says what be- Paul says in Romans, what benefit then is it to, uh, to be a Jew much in every way? Firstly, or f- first off, they carry the oracles of God. And so I have argued several times on this show that that means that they're in charge of maintaining the text of scripture and they've done that. And, right? and it's a heritage and it's a a heritage that has completely informed their culture of their parents and their grandparents and all, you know, so exactly. Uh, yeah. So they carry the covenants, they ca- carry the oracles of God. And so this is a great question. <clears throat> if they carry the oracles of God, what about the new Testament? I guess I have uh, question marks. Don't get me wrong. I'm not rejecting the apostolic scriptures. It's just that I am praying for my Catholic friend and mentally wondered through church history, realizing the Roman Catholic church preserved the apostolic scriptures till translation. I mean, is that part of the fulfillment of the Gentiles or part of the punishment? I mean, every person in the apostolic scriptures believed while reading only the Tanakh. Okay. Now, Rob has taken a significant amount of time to, uh, to respond to this person uh, via email. And uh, instead of chiming in with those emails, I thought, hey, this is a great question. Let's just talk about it. So you can re-tell uh, what you have said in your emails if you'd like to. I'm going to start with this. I'm going to say this. I believe that the oracles and covenants of God are contained in the Torah. And obviously, the, uh, the prophets come after that and are just as much as important. And the apostolic scriptures come after that. They are just as much as important, right? They're all scripture. They're all breathed out by God. They are all inspired texts. I have, I'm not arguing that at all. However, I believe that the, that the uh, prophetic books, in the, the rest of the Tanakh, not the Torah, but the rest of the Tanakh, are uh, expanding on what the Torah has already given us. So the covenants are contained within the Torah, right? Now, people are going to push on that. They're going to say, what about the Davidic covenant? Fair. The Davidic covenant is a covenant that's made with David. However, that prophecy, that promise is already given in the very first chapters of Genesis, right? The seed will come, will will crush the head of the serpent, the serpent will bruise his heel. Right. And then we see that throughout, we were reading in the, for those who are on the three-year portion, this last Shabbat, right? What, what did we read? Uh, a star will rise 
uh, from Jacob and the scepter will, will come from his, you know, will, will be between his, his feet. So the, the point here is, is that the, the, the promise of the Messiah is throughout the, the Torah. We see it in the Torah. Now, granted, I'm not diminishing the covenant, uh, the Davidic covenant. I think that that's very important. But my point is this, when he says that the oracles and the covenants have been given to the Jewish people, what I hear him saying is that the Torah has been given to the people. Now, interestingly, even though they've preserved the Torah, they have turned more to rabbinic literature, the Talmud and the Mishnah, than they have to the Torah itself, right, in terms of their practice. So I see this as talking about the Torah itself. Now, have the Jewish people maintained the rest of the Tanakh? The answer is absolutely. And this is a huge blessing as well. However, I see the, the apostolic scriptures as, uh, and I've said this before, when, when uh, you have two things happening, right? When the destruction of the temple happens. The destruction of the temple happens, the apostolic scriptures have already been written down. They've already written them down. They went from some kind of oral tradition maybe. They're writing down these accounts. They see how important it is. Okay. Later on, the Jewish people say, well, we have to preserve our, you know, our religion, our practice. Let's write down some rules for this. We get the Mishnah and then eventually we get the Talmud. They call this the oral Torah, which they say was around for a really long time. Maybe parts of it were, but there's really not a whole lot, a lot of evidence for this. Not the point. My point here is that I see the apostolic scriptures as the oral Torah of the believing community, essentially, that was written down. I mean, I say oral Torah, but I'm just trying to give the picture in people's minds. In other words, it is the commentary. It is the expansion. It is how we live out. It is what, more of what we need of the Torah. And what the apostolic scriptures are actually doing, as opposed to telling us this is how you live out the Torah, although it is case law on the Torah, right? What it's really showing us the Apostolic Scriptures is really showing us, hey, when it says written on the heart, it's really a heart issue. The Torah is really a heart issue here. And we're going. the, the, the Holy Spirit tells us this is how it is. This is what the heart issue is. This is the heart issue that I'm giving to you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you in detail what that is. Does that mean that a person can't get the heart issue just by reading the Torah? I would say the answer is obviously not. Moses did. David did. Right? So my point here well, is simply Yeshua that- said, you read the Scriptures- but you right. won't come to me. So it's like, um, so yeah, reading it where it says he opened their eyes so they could understand the scriptures. So they could read it. They could, it's not that they were staring at a page with glossy eyes. They were, they could read the words and understand basic meaning, but there's something in terms of the spirit of the Torah that they lacked. I would also argue that there is a remnant of, uh, you know, who are the people who maintain the, uh, the the apostolic scriptures? Now, certainly, the Catholic Church has something to do with this. I'm not going to deny that. In fact, I've argued in other episodes that uh, we owe a great a great debt to the to the Roman Catholic Church because for some reason God determined that they would help uh, bring bring the scriptures along. But I would argue that there are a significant amount of Jewish people uh, that that helped in that and that have helped maintain these scriptures. Um, they might call themselves Catholics, but ultimately the remnant of God has been uh, instrumental in maintaining the scriptures of God, and that includes the apostolic scriptures. Uh, Skibro, the Hebrew, says, I will. 
but he says, I'll buy it. Um, and then he gave us a super chat. Um, I'll still send you the, the, if you want to, if you want that, that passage, it's not a problem. I'd be happy to send it to you. Um, let's give him something for his super chat. Um, okay, let's do this. Let's, we'll, we'll go short and sweet. Bow your sensei! I think that view is headed for a deep mischief. You've been blessed. All right. Okay. Um, so do you think I'm, you think I'm on on that? And do you want to expand on the, uh, the, the apostolic scriptures, oracles yeah, of well, God? One, one thing is just to remember that you, you don't, I don't accept the Catholic church's testimony of itself. Like if you talk to the, you know, hardcore Catholics, they're convinced of a history that I don't think happened. Right. Okay. So, and inside that enthusiasm they have for this chain of unbroken chain of transmission, they're going to say, yeah, and we were the preservers and protectors of the Bible that you Protestants need. And uh, that's part of their spiel. But the fact, if you know a tree by its fruits, and the fruits is, the fruit is, they wanted to shove the Latin, they they exalted a translation of both the Tanakh and the Apostolic Scriptures, with additional stuff, that they and they they held this up as the the true word of God, and then they made learning that language of that translation be the thing. And um, a big a big aspect from that's important to me and for the Reformation is the wait a minute, is the dislodging of that um, that giant, you know, problem and disrupting that, much to the chagrin of the of the Roman Church, of course. But but um, I've had some great back and forth, just private emails with with Daniel Wallace on this, also, and he's yeah, it's just, it's the same thing. It's like you don't don't take the Catholics uh, the story that they tell you about themselves as uh, as real history. They did everything they could to squash translation of the Bible. They um, they were not fans of people outside their club. <laughs> reading and, and interpreting and teaching from Greek or from Hebrew. Which is why because, you get things things like the uh, indulgences and... and yeah, yeah. The, yeah. It, it, and so, um, and and then from what, uh, like Dr. Wallace's, uh, uh, basically his whole program now, which is the whole project is awesome. It's, uh, it's about uh, New Testament, you know, manuscripts at Center for study of new testament manuscripts or something like that um what what we see with the the careful believing uh text critics they're kind of like modern day scribes because what they have to do is they're like well they might not be sitting and writing a manuscript but they're digitally creating manuscript they're digitally creating a what they call an eclectic text and what they say is well what we're doing is we're evaluating all manuscript evidence and all ancient translations, which means they are not looking at an, any one institution 
or any one monastery or any one, you know, Vatican vault, you know, kind of thing. They're not, they don't put just weight to just one thing. They look at all the manuscript evidence and they understand that humans make errors. Right. They understand all sorts of different types of scribal mistakes have, are repeated enough that they go, oh, this is a thing. This is a lapse. Like he looked at the, the same word was like used twice on the same page and his eye just went back to the wrong one and, and you know, stuff like that. Or sp there's a lot of variance in spelling or was there a definite article or not? Things that that make variances, however, they have no theological consequence. But aside from that, the eclectic um, text, like the the NA28 or whatever, you know, that, that we use, still is published with a critical apparatus so that the reader who's reading in Greek, they can look and, and, and because it's, it's like an open thing. It's like, look, we're, we digital scribes like Dr. Wallace or whoever, what we're doing is we're creating this text with an apparatus to equip people to read and, and think through these problems and come to, you know, we're not coercing, we're not imposing a um a conclusion of this you know so there's a little bit of a of an on well not a little bit of honesty they're being completely honest they're saying look we don't have the autograph copy of romans so the so anyway the, why am i saying all this is it is it, it how we got our bible how we got our new testament is important is way way more complex <laughs> than what the catholic church is going to sell because I, if I you agree believe, with you. If you believe them, then you you were not going to listen to Doctor Wallace anyway. You know. So th there's there was a question. Th this is this might sound like I'm going down a rabbit trail, but I, I think this is actually uh, very important. I'm going to say something now that is going to be highly controversial for our mainstream Christian friends. I was asked on uh, Shabbat by uh, one of the people who attends our our Bible study. Why do you think that expository preaching is so important? Now, for those who don't know what expository preaching is, it just means going through the Bible, book book by book, verse by verse, okay? So you choose a book, you're going to start at chapter 1, verse 1, you're going to go all the way through, verse by verse, until the end of the book. And I said, well, kind of for the same reason that the Catholic Church, you know, didn't want people to read their Bible. You go topical, you can take things out of context, you can kind of make it say whatever you want. You know, and and this is one of the reasons that we have such an epidemic of like the feel good sermons, right? You go to churches; they're gonna they're gonna only teach you on the things that they want to uh, make points about. So what they're doing is they're a it's lot like of the, the time, restaurant. Not, it's like, hey, we've got a vegetarian menu, yeah, <laughs> but it's got oyster sauce in it. Yeah. So I mean, I, <laughs> let's say you know, I think that a significant portion of churches today, what they're saying is, I want to preach on love. And how to love your neighbor in our modern society. So now what I'm going to do, now that I have my topic, I've chosen my topic, I'm going to go and I'm going to find passages that say what I want, you know, what I'm You preaching. already know, right. You're, you already know what you want to say. Yeah, exactly. Expository, now, I'm talking to expository preaching now. I'm going to get back to the text. But what ends up happening is, is that you can have a person say, I want to teach on, uh, you know, why, uh, drinking blood as worship is, is good. And then you just pick out the, the, uh, passage, you know, uh, you have to drink my blood and eat my flesh or, you know, 
There you go. Well, context matters, right? Context and the, and the, and the entire Bible matters. The problem that I see is, is that what ends up happening with, with uh, topical preaching is, is that you always get the, the famous stories from the Old Testament, the Tanakh, right? You get, the, you get maybe the Abrahamic, uh, you know, Abraham sacrificing Isaac. Maybe you get David and Goliath. Maybe you get Jonah and the whale, right? But the hard parts of the Tanakh are thrown aside because those don't really matter anymore. And in fact, the difficult portions of the apostolic scriptures oftentimes aren't even uh, addressed. Instead, it's just whatever you want to have the Bible say. Now, expository preaching somewhat takes care of that because you have to deal with the entire text. However, and I'll use MacArthur. I'm sorry to rag on MacArthur. We've done that in the past week uh, on Mystery Bible Theater 3000. But MacArthur has gone through the entire New Testament of the Bible. Well, this is the assumption that we can take the New Testament and it will inform the rest of everything, our entire life. It will illuminate the rest of scripture. That is backwards. Now, this is the controversial part. This is, I'm saying the part out loud that, that people don't want to hear. Okay? The fact of the matter is, the Torah is what informs the rest of scripture. It's not the New Testament that informs the Torah. The New, the, the New Testament is informed by the Torah. What the, what the uh, modern Christian church has done is they, they've taken a tree and they've just chopped off the entire root ball. And now they're left with a bunch of sticks. And they're saying, and see, we got it all. We got it all right here. Without the Torah, expository preaching is only half the story. You have to have the Torah. And so to me, the oracles of God, the covenants, all these things contained in the first five books of Moses, this is the root. And so everything else is going to spring off of that. And the apostolic scriptures, the New Testament are informed by the Torah. If I'm going to go into Romans, I have to have a good handle on the Torah. And so if you're in a church, you don't know the Torah at all. They've never gone through the Torah. They don't care about the Torah. They don't care about the first five books of Moses. In fact, they say, hey, those are done away with. Don't worry about those. Just read Romans. Guess what? You're, you're at a loss already. Paul, Paul cites, cites an awful lot of Tanakh. Exactly. Um, Exactly. Um, so I, I, I think that uh, in, in that respect, I think that the oracles of God, back to the original question, I think that the Jewish people have, um, have maintained the, the root. They've maintained the covenants and the root that then goes out and everything else is, is case law on it. Everything else is, you know, is uh, telling us how we love. It's telling us how we you know, what is the, outside of Psalms, what book of the Bible uses the word love the most out of any other book in the Bible? The answer is Deuteronomy, which is shocking to a lot of Christians. But the, the point here is simply this. The Torah tells us to love. The Torah tells us about it being in our heart. Okay. And so I see the rest of scripture as expanding on, on what the Torah already says. That's my belief. And the, and the Jews have done an amazing job. Israel has done an amazing job of maintaining the Hebrew Bible, the, the first five books of the Bible. Okay, do we want to go to another? We got one more? You want one more? Sure, sure. All right, let's go one more. Hmm. Ah, uh, yes. Johnny asks this, as a pro-law or pronomian Christians, we believe in God's law as eternal and applicable where it's possible to be applied. However... 
Some pronomians believe that God's law is distinct from the covenants, specifically the Sinai covenant. A modern argument is that a covenant is not the law, and the law is not the covenant. I want to stop real quick. Well, they would have to deal with the rest of Near Eastern covenants because all Near Eastern covenants have stipulations. That's part of the covenant. So this does not line up with simply the the historical data that we have from the the um, only place you could say that it's like, well, in Jeremiah 31, it's a Brit Hadashah, but it's not a Torah Hadashah. It's the Torah just is moves from external to internal for God's people as a whole, um, which is said to be a new covenant. So the, there is, and it's not like the covenant earlier, right? So there is a, there is a difference in covenant but, where there's not a change in the Torah. I think that the difference in the new covenant from the, from the quote unquote old covenant or the former covenant or whatever you want to say is simply that Israel will keep it. In other words, all Israel will be saved. Paul Paul references this, right? Then all Israel will be saved. Because writing the Torah on the heart is found in Deuteronomy by God and by the people, right? It's, uh, yeah, it's a, I mean, that's that's the foundation of Jeremiah, what Jeremiah is preaching. is And also yeah, forgiveness so, of sins, which requires, of course, repentance. And that's also Deuteronomy. You know, they're going right. to repent. Okay, so let's keep going with Johnny's question. But I find it hard to define the Sinai covenant without the law. Absolutely. Some argue we are members of the Abrahamic covenant, the new covenant, but not the Sinai covenant because that was only for ethnic Israel. This is absolutely false. This leads to my question. Are saved believers also members slash citizens of the, Ephesians 2, Sinai covenant in a spiritual way? Uh, No, they're not. They're not part of the they're not members and citizens of the Sinai covenant in a spiritual way. They are members and they are members and citizens of a Sinai covenant in reality. It's not spiritual. It's fact. They are, they are physically members of the Sinai covenant. Are we fellow citizens of Israel that agree to the Sinai covenant in, in a spiritual way? No, not in a spiritual way. We are grafted into Israel. We become citizens. Let's ask this question. I go. I keep going back to this, but let's that, ask that's, this. There's so much can be smuggled in when we say oh, in a spiritual way, but not a physical way. All of a sudden, right. it's we're we're getting into ceremonial, moral, right, civil, right. So, I'm going to go to the place that I always go. Caleb, son of Jephunneh, right? The Kenizzite. What's he a, a yeah. Kenizzite, right? He's a Kenizzite. He's not even he's not even of the line of of Jacob. He doesn't come from Jacob. He's a Kenizzite. Okay, but then not only is he numbered among Judah, but he's given his own land. Like he is the leader. And, and it's Hebron. So his land, <laughs> yeah. Hebron, is where the where Abraham's buried. So like where the patriarchs are buried. Like, dude. And, and, that's, the, a and pretty, the question- that's a pretty insane now I know um, that I I understand what Johnny's I understand what Johnny's saying here. I don't want to come down on Johnny, but I would ask Johnny this question in response to this. Johnny, do you think that Caleb was part of Israel in a spiritual way? For those who say, "Hey, we're part of Israel. We're part of spiritual Israel." I wrote a, there on my uh, website pronomian.com. Go look at go type in the search spiritual Israel. And I have an article that says that that's titled There's no such thing as spiritual Israel. 
you're either part of Israel or you're not. Now, there are two different Israels. I will admit that. There is the Israel, the non-believing Israel. Well, I shouldn't even say that. There is the nation of Israel, the non-believing nation of Israel today that, that is currently occupying the land of, of Israel, right? Now, if I become a believer, I don't all of a sudden gain actual citizenship, citizenship right, right. To, to Israel. However, there is a nation of Israel, which is a remnant and when I become a covenant member, I am not spiritually engrafted. I am actually adopted into that covenant by God. I am sons according to promise, heirs according to promise, right? It's not, it's not spiritual, it's actual. And I think that this is a distinction that I, I really think that the Torah movement has, has really uh, fallen on. They have fallen to this idea that we're somehow spiritually Israel. I reject it. So are we uh, fellow citizens of Israel that agreed uh, to the Sinai covenant in a spiritual way and therefore beneficiaries of the blessings and curses described for Israel as a stipulation of that covenant? Yes, we become members of that covenant. Not spiritually. In reality, we become members of that, of that covenant. And the blessings and curses absolutely agree to us, or, uh, apply to us now. I will admit that there is some question, even in my own mind, of how this works out when we're talking about the nations. In Zechariah 14, the nations come up, and they it seems like the nations at this point are covenant members. They're not living in the land, right? So the land, they're, they're living the Torah, they're living the stipulations outside of the land of Israel. How that works, there's question marks there, obviously. But they're living it, and then they come up for Sukkot to celebrate Sukkot. Egypt, who's not living living in Israel, they too are, they question whether or not they're going to come up. And God says, if Egypt doesn't come up, guess what? I'm going to send a curse on them. So it seems like at this point in time, people don't have to be in the land of Israel to be covenant members. And I would argue that that's exactly what happened with Daniel. I'd argue that that's exactly what's happening with me, with Rob, with anybody else out there who is a covenant member. We are part of Israel. It's not spiritual. It's not spiritual Israel. It's Israel. We are part of the remnant of Israel. But Caleb, the nations were at Sinai. I, yeah, I agree. So the, the, I'm not making a distinction there. What I'm saying is, is that uh, is that people are going to argue, well, the Torah was only for people living in the land. That's one of the arguments that's going to come. There's plenty of arguments against that. Daniel's an argument against that, right? The, the Deuteronomy 30, right? One through, I don't know, 15 or whatever, where he says, when you're in the land of your enemies and you recall that I've uh, commanded you today and, and you do these things, then I will bring you back. Okay. The land is part of the covenant. I mean, obviously. Yeah. Right. The Torah, Mount Sinai is not in the land of Israel. Right. I mean, Ex it was exactly it wasn't in yes. the promised land. Exactly. So the Torah is given. Do you think that Israel was like, okay, we're not going, you know, we're not going to keep the Torah until we get to the land. We're out here in the wilderness wandering around. Now, granted, they didn't circumcise. <laughs> they didn't circumcise their kids after they get to the land. Right. And they reject it. So, uh, I, I mean, but it seems clear that the Torah is being, you know, they stoned the guy for, for picking up sticks on the Shabbat. No, right, and so, then the second it says, this is the second year that they went to keep the Passover, and there were some people unclean. You know, what do we do? Right. Oh, you can have a Passover, the the Pesach Sheni, right? In the second year, you can they can keep the Passover. So there's this is uh, applied 
commandments in the wilderness, in the desert wandering. Yep. Okay. The uh, chat room is having a lot of fun. <laughs> okay. Let's, for sure uh, they were keeping Shabbat. Yeah, right? exactly. Because I mean, the manna itself, like... God determined, you know, the manna, like on the, on the sixth day, he gave twice as much and then nothing on the seventh. Like there, there was no mistake. You know, they didn't, even, they didn't have to look at a, a larger calendar. You know, they, they knew Shabbat. I'm going to just say that the, uh, that the, the typo there by Skibro the Hebrew, uh, Mr. Pocket full of steel has entered the chat room and, and, uh, they're going back and forth. It's pretty funny. And then, Ski bro accidentally calls him Mr. Pocket Full of Booms, which I think is even better. Pocket Full of Boom. It's going to be, yeah, there you go. Okay, anyway. All right, we're going to call it there. And uh, I'm not, uh, Rob and I are uh, working through some stuff. Not sure if uh, we're going to be on next Wednesday. We will have a show this uh, Friday, which has already been uh, recorded. But next Wednesday, we might take the day off. Um, so just be aware of that. And, uh, yeah, we sure do appreciate y'all. If you got questions, yeah, thanks for the great questions too. Yeah. Today. Great questions today. If you got questions for us and you want us to talk about something, see Hag at resource.com, C-H-E-G-G at resource.com. That's the email address. Or you give us a call on our comment line, 253-465-3205. It's 253-465-3205. Please do not for, forget to subscribe to this YouTube channel and uh, like this video. Are we up we, to 10K yet? Uh, no. We hope no. that God has done, uh, we hope that this conversation has done at least one thing. That is to glorify our great God and Savior, Yeshua the Messiah. Why? Because Messiah matters. 